Welcome back to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. This is Dave Stovall. I'm your host. And today's episode is a track session given to us by Concentric at last year's National Disciple Making Forum. It features Mike Harder. He's the president of Concentric. And he sets up the speakers Chris and Kelly Lilpop from Josiah Venture. Josiah Venture's mission statement from their website is they long to see a movement of God among the youth of Central and Eastern Europe that finds its home in the local church and transforms society. So that's the context that Chris and Kelly are coming from when they talk to us about using short-term mission trips for disciple-making. And it just made me think about all the trips that I went on as a youth where I didn't realize it at the time, but our youth pastor was totally discipling me, mentoring me, and training me up to be a leader in the church. Pretty cool looking back. And now I realize how formative those trips were for me back in the day. And you know what? They do the same thing for kids today. So this is an awesome episode. You're really going to enjoy it. So let's dive in and hear from Mike, Chris, and Kelly. Good to be with you. My name is Mike Carter, and I am the president of Concentric, and we're a global uh, mission, global organization that has uh, nine other alliance partners um, around the globe. And uh, in this uh, in this session, we're gonna, going to be talking about uh, making sure you're in the right place, but uh, leveraging short-term mission trips uh, for your ministry in disciple making. Um, in our alliance, in our alliance of ministries in Concentric, uh, those nine partners are all over the globe. They represent 130 different countries. And I've asked uh, a couple of our partners to, to come and share with you today, uh, specifically during this session from Josiah Venture. Uh, and uh, Chris and uh, Kelly uh, were missionaries in Poland, and they're now... Um, working here in the U.S. for Josiah Venture, um, helping uh, partner churches uh, get engaged uh, with the ministry. And I will say, uh, with this session, with uh, using short-term mission trips to make disciples, it's something that's changed my life. It's something that's uh, changed the lives of uh, many students when I was a youth pastor. And, uh, and when I was a senior pastor and executive pastor, same thing uh, changed a lot of lives. And I know it's changed theirs, too. So they're going to share a little bit about that with you and a whole lot more. So why don't you come up and share. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's so great to uh, see you all here. Thanks for being here. And uh, like Mike said, my name is Chris. This is my wife, Kelly. Uh, we lived in Poland for eight years and we served with Josiah Venture. And as we, when we were in Poland, we were, uh, I was the camp director, the summer ministry director. Uh, and so we, we led a, a summer ministry, camp ministry, where we partnered North American churches together with Polish churches to put on evangelistic camps for Polish teenagers. Uh, so that's what we did for eight summers. Uh, we did the kind of the general trip as it came. We would do uh, two week or two days of training when the team would land. They would do a week of camp and then we would do debriefing at the end. Uh, so besides that, uh, just growing up, just like Mike mentioned too for him, but short-term missions was a big part of my development uh, in Christ. Uh, so I'm pretty passionate about this subject. And um, Josiah Venture, we are a movement of God among the youth of Central and Eastern Europe that finds its home in the local church and transforms society. Uh, and so we're equipping young leaders to fulfill Christ's commission through local churches. Uh, but just to kind of get us started here, um, I want you to, to take a, a second and just think through um, what ways is your church currently involved in short-term missions? You know, where are you going? Uh, what needs are you meeting? Um, what's the impact on the people you serve? What's the impact uh, on, on your church, the people that are going? Just think through some of those things now for a few seconds here. And also think through, get, get some of the people, uh, the faces of people in your ministry in your mind. You know, who are they? Uh, where are they at as far as with the relationship with Christ? Maybe even write down their names as you can um, 
so you can kind of keep them in, in the forefront of your mind as we go through the session. Uh, because kind of the general framework of what we're going to do today is the first part, we're going to talk a little bit about the cycle making strategy. Uh, and then the second half, we're going to talk about short term mission strategy and how actually they work together and how we can leverage uh, short term missions for disciple making. Uh, so I want to invite my wife up, Kelly, and she'll share a little bit about the disciple making strategy. Okay, great. Well, I know, oh, it's a little tall for me. I know we are all fans of what Jesus does and says, and that's why we're here to make disciples like he made disciples. Um, but oftentimes we focus on the words that Jesus said and not always on the actions that he did or the strategy that he used in ministry. So we want to take a look at what did Jesus do to make disciples? Not just how should we as Christians speak to others and treat others, but is there actually some strategy and methodology to what Christ did? And we believe the answer to that is yes. So we're going to uh, take a look at a discipleship continuum. So from unbelief to maturity in Christ, what does it look like for somebody to grow closer to Christ and in the likeness of him moving forward on a disciple-making path? And these are some of the things that we see in Scripture that Christ did in order to move people towards maturity in him. So we have five different um, challenges that Christ issued to people in order to help them move forward. And the first one is come and see. You can see in this graphic that on the left side, the top is unbelief, the bottom is maturity in Christ. So we're gonna be moving towards maturity in Christ. The first being with come and see. And first, uh, sorry, John 1:39 is the first verse there. And in this context, um, John has been pointing the way to Christ, getting ready for people to recognize him as the Messiah. And so John had some disciples. And as Jesus was beginning his ministry, John, and before that, but John was pointing people towards him. And in John 1.39, and actually I'll back up a little, a little bit to verse 35, it says, uh, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So these guys were with John. John says, hey, that's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God. And these people, these guys, they have a question for Jesus. Jesus notices that they're interested, and he says, what are you seeking? And they said, where are you staying? They wanted to continue to follow him. They wanted to continue to hear his teaching. And he said, come and you will see. So this was an invitation into relationship. It was an invitation to getting to know Jesus more. Maybe they went to a house together and had a meal and spent some time talking and getting to know one another. And there are uh, people on the, on the path who are at this beginning phase, come and see. And some of the things that they need are an invitation, an invitation into relationship, um, an invitation to hear more about Christ, an invitation to hear the gospel, definitely. But Jesus models this by showing us that he just fights, invites people into relationship. Um, so as we were serving in Poland, I had many opportunities to interact with people who were in this come and see phase. And one of them was named Marta. She was actually just a neighbor uh, who lived in our neighborhood and she had a dog and I had a dog. So sometimes we would run into each other walking our dogs outside. And um, we talked about our dogs and let them play together. And she was interested in why I was why I was living in Poland as a foreigner and what I was doing there. So I began to share with her a little bit about my life and my ministry of what how I believe in the gospel, why I believe Jesus is an important piece, important person, and how I want young people 
um, to follow him, and she was interested. And so we ended up walking our dogs often, and she would ask questions about my life, about my dog, but also about God. So that was a come and see example of a relationship um, that I was engaging in with her. And I kept inviting her into that relationship in hopes that she would take steps towards um, number two, which is repenting and believing. So if we look at John chapter 6, verse 29, we see another challenge that Jesus issues. So I'm going to go to Mark 1.15. And Jesus, essentially, he comes into the city, he's been teaching, and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's issuing a challenge to people. It's time to move forward from what you know, from what you've been taught in the scriptures, or maybe haven't been taught in the scriptures uh, yet, if they were not uh, in Judaism. And he says, repent and believe. It's a very clear challenge to take what you know, hear the full gospel, and put your faith in Christ. And there are people who have been in a come and see phase. They've heard the gospel, they know about it from their friends or neighbors, and they need to be challenged to repent. And a lot of times as believers, we just skip over this step because we want the spirit to work on his own. We want people to make decisions on their own. But actually, we see Jesus use these words to challenge people to make a decision for him. Um, so in our summer camp ministry in Poland, we often had intentional conversations where we were working with young people and challenging them to repent and believe. We would share the gospel very clearly and then say, do you believe this? Are you willing to believe this? Is there something that's holding you back from believing this? And I several times got the answer that, no, I'm not, I'm not ready to believe this. And they would, I would ask what's holding you back, and they would say, well, if I believed this, um, it would be much too different from what my family believes. And so I don't think I'm ready for that. Or they would say, yes, I believe it, sure, sure. And I would say, all right, well, what kind of difference is that making in your life? What does it mean for you to follow Jesus? And a lot of times they didn't have a very good answer for that. And it was not clear if they really had repented and believed and were following Jesus with their whole mind and heart and life. But it's a challenge that we have to issue. And then once people respond to that issue, once people respond to that challenge, we want them to continue to follow Jesus. And I think our, the church in America has this one down pretty well. We are pretty good at helping people follow Jesus. We're, we, are, we have a lot of Bible study resources. We have small groups. We have sermons on Sundays that are really geared towards helping people to follow Jesus. Um, so likewise, I um, had people in my life that I helped to disciple. I helped to fo uh, follow Jesus. One girl was named Emma, and she uh, had a family that supported her faith. She had a church where she could hear the gospel, and then her and I met very regularly to study God's word together, to talk about what it meant to live out her faith, to talk about if what she was believing was being translated into her heart and her actions. And she was really strongly following after Jesus, even through some challenges. However, we don't want people just to stay at follow me. And this is oftentimes a place that we get stuck. Um, follow me is a place that's sometimes comfortable because we have a lot of resources for this place. And we have a lot of people around us, maybe in our Christian community, that are also following Jesus. But what the harder challenge is, perhaps, is to go to step four, challenge four, which is follow me and fish for men. And in Matthew 4:19, Jesus approaches these two guys who have been hearing about him for over a year, actually, and they, they're fishermen. And Jesus comes up to them, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And we found that, find that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And I'll read that for you really quick. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, one caveat to this whole process of disciple-making strategy is that is actually based on the 
chronologically appropriate view of Christ's ministry. So Jesus did things in a certain amount of time. He had a limited amount of time that he was serving on this earth. And so he, like I said, John was introducing the Lamb of God. And people started to hear about Christ and follow him. And so by the time he got to this point of calling Simon and Peter to fish for men, they had been hearing about him. They were ready for the next challenge. Um, I've had the privilege of discipling a young woman named Meg, and Meg had been following Jesus, and then I said, you know what, Meg, you're ready for the next step, and she knew that she was ready for more. She was ready not just to stay in one place and work on her relationship to God this direction, but she was ready to go out to others and fish for men. So I brought her with me on a short-term missions trip to Poland. And in that place, she had the opportunity in a really focused way to share the gospel with her peers, to work through for herself what her story was, what God had done in her life, and commun communicate that clearly and communicate the gospel clearly to others. And to look backwards at this path and say, who can I find who needs to have an invitation to come and see? Who can I find that needs a challenge to repent and believe? And who can I help also to follow Christ? Not just that I would follow him, but that I would be actively seeking other people and helping them each to take the next appropriate step of maturity towards Christ. And then number five, I am sending you, as Jesus was finishing his ministry after his resurrection, he told his disciples that he was going to send us to do his work as he ascended to heaven. And so John chapter 20, verse 21. Um, when he had said this, he shows up to, this, to the disciples. He showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. And so he's saying, I am sending you. The Father sent me, and now I am sending you. And this is the picture of a multiplying disciple. Jesus is ascending into heaven, leaving the powerful spirit with them so that they can continue the work, and they are now going out. And the great commission comes of, go out, and as you are going, make disciples, here and far away as well. And so I had another young woman that I poured into, her name was Karina, and I saw her walk through many of these challenges. She had repented and believed at a younger age. She had faithfully followed Christ as a high school student. Um, as a college student, she began reaching out and fishing for men with eyes to see who she could serve. She actually did a, a three-month-long summer internship with me in Poland where she spent 10 weeks really fishing for men among young people, lost young people. And then she went back to the States, but she continued to move forward in the challenges as she was moving towards maturity in Christ, she was looking behind her and seeing who she could help move forward, giving them each the next appropriate challenge. And so she is currently training leaders. She's helping other people to make disciples. She's giving them feedback on how she's doing that. And she really has a broad view um, of this whole process and is engaging every level of it to help other people make disciples. And so this is a really important foundation that we have of the people that we're serving and the people that we're inviting to serve along with us in short-term missions. And we wanna make sure that as we invite people into different opportunities, especially cross-culturally or outreach-based, having the right view of where they're at along this continuum can help us to have the most effective short-term missions as well. So Chris is going to come up. Um, but bef before he comes up, I want you to take a minute and think through some people in your life, in your neighborhood, or in your ministry, and think about where they are at on this continuum. And then also start thinking about um, if you have any previous short-term missions experience, where were you on this continuum when you engaged? in that short-term missions trip. So take a moment to think about that 
And um, I would love it if you would even turn to a neighbor and share with them the names of a couple people in your life or ministry and where you see them on this continuum and why. Okay, I know um, might need more time to, to uh, think through that, but uh, we're going to move on. Um, and I hope that even just looking at that um, continuum, this path of a growing disciple and thinking through the people in your ministry, um, that even you start to get excited about like what God could do in their lives. And it, it really helps, that diagram really helps give a path um, and gives you steps along the way. Obviously, it's not a box to put people in where, okay, they're, they're follow me or, um, and that's all they are, you know, it's, it's a continuum and those are just little uh, spots along the way. But it's really helpful to, to have kind of a context of what that disciple needs to take the next step um, in, towards maturity in Christ. Uh, but our question here for today, for this seminar, is how do we leverage short-term missions to help our disciples move along the path towards maturity in Christ? Uh, so how can, how can we um, set our strategy up or how do we decide what mission strip to do so that it has maximum impact for the kids or the people in your ministry? Uh, and I think that as I was kind of preparing, I was trying to think of like a metaphor that would be really helpful. Um, and I thought of a factory. You know, factories are awesome. Um, really efficient, clean, uh, really effective. You know, you can just produce disciples. Um, and then, you know, we hear in the, in the main session about the cost of discipleship and you realize, okay, maybe working with people isn't so clean like a factory. Um, it's not so predictable. Like in a factory, it's like, there's just the assembly line and it just works. But with people, it's not so black and white. Um, it, the factory's kind of rigid. If one piece of the, of the assembly line falls apart, then it all kind of falls apart. But so that, that is not a great metaphor. <laughs> uh, so then I was like, well, maybe a forest. You know, forest, look at that. That is beautiful. It's living, organic. There's lots of growth and life. Um, but then that also kind of breaks down, right? Because, uh, I mean, it's kind of scary, like, what's in that forest? You don't even know, like, what animals there or weeds are growing up because uh, it's just uh, kind of organic and not, it's kind of chaos, right? You know, just uh, plants everywhere. Um, it's a very... Uh, it kind of la it lacks intentionality and purpose. Um, and thinking of a mission, short-term mission strategy that's like a forest, uh, it's very broad. So um, it's, it's a broad view of success. So like, oh, maybe it's a great trip, but what is the long-term fruit of that? You know, for the people that were on the trip, it was great, it was light, you know, there's life and growth, uh, but what's the, long, the lasting fruit? Um, so, forest kind of breaks down as well. Uh, so, then I thought, what about a garden? You know, the, the garden, that's organic. There's lots of life and growth. Um, it's actually kind of efficient, too, because, like, look at how much the land can produce. Um, and you can produce in all different seasons and different, different plants. Um, and it kind of fits the, as far as the factory, you know, with people being, uh, needing different things. Well, this can, you can meet those needs of people in a garden uh, because there's a gardener that's tending to the plants, uh, that's caring, that's um, creating the environment that's conducive to growth. Um, and it's, it's kind of a great picture too because the growth, God causes growth, right? Like the gardener, they can, they can work the ground, they can pull the weeds, uh, they can make sure there's water, um, 
but there's nothing they can do to make that plant grow. That's just what God has, has put in place. Uh, so I think our short-term missions strategy should be like a garden. And just, just as the gardener inspects and studies his plant, plants and then creates the ideal environment for that specific plant to flourish, I think as disciplers, as disciple makers, we need to know our disciples. We need to know where they are on that path of a growing disciple. Uh, we need to study them. Uh, and then we need to create an environment that's conducive to their growth. Okay, so, so how, how can uh, the person go from follow me to follow me and fish for men? You know, how can we create an environment that's conducive to that uh, happening? And so uh, I think I kind of created this, this picture to, uh, to model short-term mission strategy with a garden mindset. Okay, so you can kind of see at the bottom, there's that path of a growing disciple from unbelief towards maturity. The, the five challenges that Kelly just talked about are along the bottom there. Um, and then there's, I'm proposing three levels of, of uh, mission trip environments. So level one is, is exposure, level two is growth, and level three is, is training. Uh, and those are the, that's the focus. Um, so let's go kind of look a little bit closer at each one of these. So level one, exposure. And the challenge focus for this is challenges one through three. Um, so it's kind of interesting because even somebody that's in a come and see place on the path of a growing disciple, maybe they could still be, take part in, the, in some of this, um, these types of missions. The duration is, is pretty short, one or two days. This is, um, examples here are maybe inner city homeless experience, a v VBS, uh, disaster relief, service project. Uh, and then the discipleship objective of this type of missions would be Christian community, uh, would be to broaden their worldview, expose uh, people in your ministry to uh, need, uh, to compassion, to get them out of their local, their normal context and experience the world outside of, of their normal life, um, to experience in Christian community character of Christ as, as you're serving, through, uh, uh, serving others. Um, so that's, that's the, the level one, uh, and that's exposure. Level two, so the challenge focus here is challenge three. So uh, remember Kelly said that's, that's the follow me challenge and how um, often we can get st stuck in this place. Uh, that that's, it's, a, it's a pretty comfortable place to be. You're learning and uh, you're, you, you know a lot about God uh, and the Bible maybe. Um, but you haven't taken that next step to fish for men. Uh, and so this type of, of trip is very good to make those, that growth go deep. Uh, and it's a little bit longer, you know, five to seven days. Uh, it's not just the one or two days. It's a little bit, it requires a little bit more. Uh, examples would be like a trip to Mexico or uh, serving a Native American community, maybe in an orphanage or it could be VBS too. Um, but the, the discipleship objective of this type of trip is everything from, from level one, um, but also there's, there's kind of a, a more of a focus on spiritual growth of the team member, um, and that's through serving, uh, deeper trust in Christ while learning a new culture. Um, I was on a, this last summer, I was on a, on a level two trip. And we took some of our, our kids and we served at a North American uh, reservation and a Native American reservation. And this, one of the biggest uh, pieces of our trip was we had all of the kids on our team in the evenings share their testimony. You know, and this was like a huge step for a lot of the kids because they've never really processed and thought through like, okay, 
what has God done in my life? Uh, and then to be, have to do that in community and share with your peers, like that was a huge step for them uh, that, that caused a lot of growth in them, to be honest. Uh, so this is a focus on that challenge three, the follow me uh, challenge. Um, yes, yeah, so level two is growth. And then level three, uh, the focus here is ministry training. So the challenge focus is challenges four and five. Uh, and so if you remember, those challenges are uh, follow me and fish for men, and I'm sending you. Uh, the duration is longer, so 10 days to maybe even nine months. That's like, you know, it's not uh, full-time missions, but that's a, a pretty big chunk of time to be uh, involved in missions. So examples would be uh, just I Venture Summer Camp, what we did. This was, our trips were level three trips uh, because we were we were bringing we bring high school kids or maybe college kids over, uh, and they're sharing their faith with their peers. They're they're spending a week um, with Polish teenagers and they're. Uh, building relationships with the purpose of turning those relationships and those conversations towards Christ. Uh, and so that takes a level of maturity uh, that is found in the ch challenge four and five, uh, but also maybe a cross-cultural internship or relational evangelism to Mormons, peer-to-peer um, -peer spring break beach evangelism. Like there's, there's it, it just requires a, a more mature disciple um, but actually, with that, there's, there's lots of value to challenge them to keep moving towards maturity in Christ. Uh, because we're actually all on this path. You know, we might, we're at different places, but we're still growing towards maturity. And so the, the discipleship objective of a level three trip is all the objectives from one and two, uh, plus ministry training. Uh, and... Um, Mike, I think today is going to talk more about that ministry training aspect, Mike and Doug. Uh, so encourage you to come back later, uh, the afternoon session. But um, the ministry training, personal, personally sharing the go the gospel cross culturally, um, leadership opportunities, and this requires relational maturity as well because there's a there's a relational element um, of these types of trips. So. I kind of went through that pretty fast, but I want us just to take a second here. I'll leave this on the screen and um, make some observations about the relationship between the discipleship continuum, the path of a growing disciple, and then the different levels of mission trips. Okay, so I'll give you uh, two or three minutes to do those observations, and uh, again, I encourage you to to grab a person next to you and talk through some of that as you're thinking. Uh, thinking through that. So take a few minutes to, to do that. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community. For disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. Okay, can we maybe share some observations uh, as, you, as you guys talked? What, what did you come up with? What did you talk about? What'd you hear the guy next to you say? 
yeah, you can, they are like different experiences. Um, one thing I would just caution with that is the, is to be sure that the challenge matches the, or the, the team makeup, the people that you're bringing on the team match the appropriate level. You know, you don't want to bring uh, challenge one person to a level three trip. Uh, you know, if you're, if the trip is sharing the gospel and you don't believe the gospel, it's going to be, that's going to be hard. So, but totally, you know, you can't, you do not, you don't need to, this doesn't mean you need to be doing three trips every year, you know, with the same people or as just one person that you're leading all the three trips, you know, you can, just as a gardener looks at what, what the plants need, you know, we're, we're looking at our disciples, seeing what the, the next step is, uh, and then matching the levels. What other thoughts? Yeah, so the question is, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, if, if you're bringing a challenge one or two person on a level one trip, how to engage that type of disciple? Yeah, I would say a big, big part of the level one is to, is the Christian community. Uh, you know, think of, let's say, going to inner city for a day uh, with a group of people. You know, that's a, a new experience. You have the, the travel time to go, to go into town. Uh, you're experiencing new things together. Uh, you're kind of uncomfortable and, and debriefing that. So it's very, um, a big part of that level one is the community. So I would say get to know them. Uh, you know, ask some questions, experience that stuff together, because that I'd say that's stuff's gold um, to get them part of the community. I'm going to be able to answer that from experience. Sure. In 1995, I went on an inner city missions trip to Chicago as an unbeliever with my youth group. Came home saved. Yeah. So uh, I didn't even think about it until I was looking at this. I was like, man, that's actually me right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And what did you do there in Chicago? It was a service-oriented trip, so uh -huh. we were cleaning up soup kitchen space and doing some stuff like that. And had some other. We did a. They, they called it a hood tour, so we got in a van. They locked all the doors and drove us through Cabrini Green and some of that uh -huh. kind of area in South Chicago, and just eye-opening experience. But it was devotions and. <laughs> I didn't call it that. <laughs> just for the record. Not your word. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, but devotions in the evening, and the community was a huge part of it. I, yeah. I felt overwhelming love mm -hmm. just from those people and from God in that experience. Yeah. That's I always great. joke about it now because I, I think I had no right going on a missions trip, but this kind of changes yeah. my thinking on that, right? Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you. And it's interesting, too, you know, you um, somebody organized that trip. And, and brought you and invited you into the relationship and had those conversations. And I think that's an important observation of the level one, because if you notice, it's actually for all of the challenges. And so, um, yeah, you can have a challenge five or four person go on those trips. It's just maybe their uh, purpose is different for going there. You know, it's not necessarily to broaden their, their view, uh, their worldview, because most likely they've already experienced that, but it's it's because they have the 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 view of of the ch challenges one, two, and three, and how they're going. Almost for them, it's like a level three trip because they're going thinking, how can I help the people behind me move towards maturity? So yeah, I think that's that's a great comment. Well, one thing I would say is that. Um, so Chris explained that level three chips are really ministry training focused, and it's really about relationships and evangelism, and oftentimes it's peer evangelism. And so the strongest thing that I would say is we have to make sure that if it's a bigger trip, if it's a cross-cultural trip, what kind of ministry is going on? Because... Um, I've seen before actually people bringing level one or level two, in our case, high school students over, sorry, challenge one or two high school students who are just new believers, 
um, over to a context where they're being expected to go make friends with this you know, person from another culture, share the gospel with them, set an example for them even in word and spe speech and love. And um, if they're not a self believer, it can have a huge detriment to the missions team itself and it can have long lasting detriment to the people that you went to serve. And so um, I think that there are opportunities like that, but we have to be very careful on what is expected of those people. And also, as we think about the national people that we're working with and what they're expecting of our missions team, we want to make sure that we're honoring that as well. Because if they're expecting that a group of solid believers is coming over to engage with them and serve them, and then they have an interaction with a non-believer that is clearly not representing Christ, that can really be a cause um, for breaking a relationship. So, so thinking about post-Christian culture, I was a pastor in Philadelphia for six years. Yeah, and we we were. I said we were a new Philadelphia church that was trying to minister to old Philadelphia too. You know what I mean? We were gentrified, so we worked with a lot of. Was it was a Redeemer in our city, city, to the Keller Church? Like, but uh, one of the things about uh, millennials and younger generations is that they do like to serve, right? So they they do want to make a difference. So it's easy, it was easy for me to get a lot of non-Christians to tie in and help out with our, we call it our mercy ministries. Actually, I asked for that, edited it up. I wanted my, uh, my mature Christians to be there because it created opportunities for them to share the gospel. So they, they bring their friends, they develop a relationship, uh, the non-Christians are feeling like, I'm doing something good. This is, and, and they are, they're doing something good. Uh, they're being the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, no, they're being the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, but it creates opportunity because it's in relationship. It's organic. And you're meeting a felt need of them to feel good, right? At the same, like, like you've done in, in your, your context. And a lot of the time, uh, they come to faith in Christ. Yeah, so. We're doing that this Thanksgiving, actually. So this month, we have one of these events yeah the feed the poor you know in in our city and we're so i'm just yeah but how to leverage that the best is what i'm kind of well and the great thing about it is you it does it takes people out of the comfort zone. yeah that's part of this that it's easier to challenge people than to take them out of the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say leveraging it the best just goes back to the relationships and who's there to who's there from the other side of the spectrum that's really going to pour into those people. Because it would be kind of a bummer if you had this great t team of people to serve the hungry in the name of Christ and none of them knew Christ, right? So there would be something lacking there. Great. So uh, one last time to process what you're currently doing uh, and maybe talk with a, a friend. <laughs> um, but think through, you know, as you lead your ministry, is your natural bent towards, towards factory or forest? Uh, you know, factory so concrete and kind of maybe stuck rigid and forest of like, oh, everything's great. <laughs> Uh, and then what would it what would be the benefits if you had the the gardener view the gardener garden mindset and then considering at the beginning you, you thought through what your current uh, involvement in your church for short-term missions is um, and so maybe consider these questions as well do you offer varying types um, what are some of the pitfalls we kind of talked to some about this but what are some of the pitfalls of bringing someone from your ministry on a trip that they aren't ready for yet? Uh, and is your current missions approach making lifelong disciples who make other disciples? Uh, and then this is kind of a, an interesting um, angle to look at it, but do, do your people look, what do your people look like in terms of experiences, heart, and equipping once they've moved through your, your ministry? You know, kind of, that's coming from for us you know a student ministry perspective you know we have kids for for four years in their high when they're in high school so like what do we want them to experience over those four years but maybe your context is a little bit different um but you know you have your your people in your ministry for a few years 
what are their experiences, heart, and equipping that they experience in those in, over a few year span. So take a second to process and respond to those uh, with a with a neighbor. All right. Well, thanks for engaging in discussion with one another. And just before we close here, I'd love to hear just one or two takeaway thoughts that you have as you um, have this picture now of the path of a growing disciple, um, people at different parts of the path interacting with one another, and some categories for short-term missions. Do you have just one takeaway thought that you're leaving with? or something to continue thinking about? One thought that comes to my mind is, what are we doing on the back end when we get back on these trips? Yes. To make sure our people continue to grow. Yes. Too often, we have, I have found, we take someone, they have a great mountaintop experience where they're there, they're on fire, we come back and we don't plug them in yes. to continue their growth. So that's, that's a caution for us. Yes. That's, mm -hmm. we that's great. Future. Make it more than a mission trip. This is just a, this is just a step. Yeah. I think it's important with any of the well, especially with the trips that are with believers, to actually on the trip, on the path, to start saying, how, so how's this transferable back home? How, mm -hmm. how can we bring this back home and learning here, what we're experiencing here, in our relationships, and in our neighborhood, and our community. One more thing I'll write with, I think you hit on it as well, is that we have to be very conscientious about who we're sending on a trip because we saw, we didn't pay attention to this, we saw a trip where we almost destroyed the local team, the national team, by bringing a couple people who were not equipped for that, who were not in the right frame of mind, and it could have really impacted, it almost really impacted the ministry on the ground there yeah. where we were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, when Doug and I were teenagers, we, we actually wrote the same ministry as teenagers, and uh, he and I uh, changed the, we were on this beach camp with a youth group, and he and I went out and started sharing the gospel on the beach with other people. My sister was alone, and it was just a camp. She wasn't a Christian. Uh, the three of us stopped by a bank, and we started sharing the gospel. Doug's talking to them. The guy says, I'm going to accept Jesus, and makes come to trust Christ. And my sister's crying and saying, what was that all about? And Doug's like, have you ever made this decision? So now, and not as we're sharing the gospel, my sister shared the gospel with somebody basically before she received Christ. She experienced that because she saw somebody come to faith in Christ. Then I prayed with my sister, right? Pretty good description. As teenagers. So sometimes God works through our goofing things up. <laughs> Amen to that. All right, well, Doug, why don't you come on up and... Um, he's going to give us a little bit of info about what's coming up in the rest of our sessions. Yeah, so I guess we have a 15-minute break um, coming up here in just a couple minutes. Um, and uh, then maybe there's another session somewhere else that you're going to be scattering to, one of the, one of the other tracks that will start 15 minutes from then. Um, we would love to have you with us back here as we're going to, dive deeper into Jesus as our model for disciple making and how he intentionally incorporated missions in that process. And so uh, we'll be uh, uh, in that next hour uh, taking some stuff from our leader, Sun Life's leadership multiplication training. It's two full days of training that we do that focuses on the last 15 months of Christ's ministry. We call it the leadership multiplication phase of his ministry. And if you look at, span across the four gospels, this is uh, Thomas and Gundry's Harmony of the Gospels. This part up here is uh, the part of the gospels from the life and ministry of Jesus leading up to the last 15 months. And this right here is what happens in those last 15 months. And so that idea of the training of the 12, just the intentionality of what Jesus did to multiply leaders for the movement, we're going to be looking at how Jesus engaged, involved them in experiences 
that could accelerate them in that process toward being movement leaders. And uh, so how, how Jesus incorporated mission in that. So that's what we're going to be diving into in the next session. We'd love to have you guys stay here with us for that. All right. Uh, let me pray for us, and then I'll uh, dismiss you guys. Father, thank you so much for uh, this last hour that we've had and for, um, for Chris and Kelly and uh, just how they've shared um, both from the life of Jesus but also from their own lives, from their, their experience on the mission field with Josiah Venture, being there in Poland and, uh, and seeing teams come through and the impact that that has had uh, both in Poland and on the ministry and expanding it there as well as on the teams who came and how uh, those students who are coming through on those teams returning back home uh, better equipped uh, with skills and passion to be everyday disciple makers. And I just pray that you give us fresh vision and insights for each of us um, how we can be involved in uh, the Son's mission to make and multiply disciples, using, using missions to do that as, as a tool, as a strategy, um, but not an end in itself, uh, but uh, a part of the overall strategy that the Son has given us for creating movements that would take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. That was great stuff from Concentric and Josiah Venture. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And I want to ask you, while we're still here, if you wouldn't mind clicking the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date every single time that I release a new episode each week. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free account today. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.